Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, gang. Today's guest is Derek Sanders lead vocalist for the Tallahassee, Florida rock band, Mayday Parade. Derek and I take a deep dive into their fan favorite hit, Kids in Love, from their 2009 album, Anywhere But Here. We talk about the pros and cons of working with outside songwriters, and when embraced with an open mind, can many times yield positive results, as evidenced by Kids in Love. Derek shares that his very first demo of the song was built around a piano part that only happens once in the bridge. He also tells an interesting story behind his love interest, whom the song is centered around, and how her parents at the time weren't so fond of Derek. I'm happy to report that all turned out well for him, though. How well, you ask? You're just going to have to listen to the episode to find out. For all this and much more, grab a bag of Cheetos, a bowl of marshmallows, and let's party. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. You're right up the road from uh, Gainesville, Florida, where uh, less than Jake cut our teeth and still reside. And uh, you're up there in Tallahassee. How's things going in the state's capital? Things are going well, man. Tallahassee is, um, I'm sure it's a lot like, you know, it is a lot like Gainesville, and uh, but it's a its a growing city. It's expanding rapidly, and some people think that's, like, weird, but I think it's kind of cool, you know, and there's a lot of, like, new things coming in, and I think it's cool to be in a place that is doing that as opposed to somewhere that's, like, you know, stagnant or, or you know, I, I don't know. It's just, there's a lot of life in this city, and um, I'm, you know, I've lived my whole life here. I'm the only one in the band who still lives here. Um, everybody has kind of scattered out there. So the band formed in 2005. That's right. Which, you know, and I've said this on the episode before, and this is showing my age, not yours. I'll always look at you guys as kids, Mm -hmm. you know, because you were the, the, hey, there's a new band of the Warped Tour. There's these kids, Bay Day Parade. And uh, you you guys aren't kids anymore. Right. (laughs) It's crazy. Yeah. You guys are you guys are coming up on twenty years here. It's it, it is crazy. Yeah, it's like where does it where you know how does how does this happen? But uh, I'm just we're ha- happy to still be doing it. Absolutely. So the track we're going to talk about today, uh, "Kids in Love." This is a a really cool song. I, I a lot of production things with this one that that really uh, that really interests me. This song was released as a, the second single from uh, your album "Anywhere But Here," which came out in 2009, and uh, the single was released on May 18. Uh, 2010. So uh, set this one up for us. Where where were you at when you uh, when you started to write this one? The first memory I have of of beginning to write the song was on tour in 2008. It was I was actually thinking about this earlier today, trying to kind of you know rehash some of how, how this went down. And we were on tour with All Time Low and The Main and Every Avenue, um, one of my favorite tours that we've ever done. Uh, in the history of this band, it was just so much fun, and it was really, you know, it was in the early 
days of things really just kind of first starting to pick up for us and everything was just so exciting and we were at the cleveland house of blues and i was in the our green room there and had my keyboard um just out set up to write and jam on or whatever and the first thing i wrote was was kind of like a um in the bridge was like a keyboard uh, or like a piano kind of lick thing that happens oh yeah and, and that was the first thing i wrote and then kind of started messing around with the rest of it from there and we co-wrote the song we ended up doing a lot of co-writes for that album for anywhere but here we had done our first album on fearless uh, which is an independent label, and then we were uh, upstream to Atlantic Records, and I'm sure you know you know is is a it was a whole different you know ball game, um, and uh, being on a major label, and it, it was actually kind of a really weird experience for us, and 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 throughout the years we've kind of like come to peace with some of it, but for a long time we like you know were had had these bitter feelings about this record. Well, let me let me let me stop you there, you, you know, and I know exactly what you mean, and and you shouldn't feel bitter. More bands co-write than people think right. do. Oh, for uh, sure. It's, it, it, it's like a hidden secret that a lot of bands can't admit. There's nothing wrong with it. I've co-written before. I love it. Right. Because for me, it pushes me as a songwriter because I already know the trick I'm going to go to in the bridge. I've done right. it in 100 songs. It's familiar. And, I, and, I, and I've talked about that on the show. There's nothing wrong with co-writing. I mean, your first record came out uh, 2007. It was a, a lesson in romantics. Uh, and then, as you said, you got upstreamed to Atlantic mm -hmm. and, you know, they probably wanted you to do some co-writes. What I researched here was a gentleman named Greg Wattenberg. Is that who you wrote with? That's correct. Yeah. So it was basically, you know, being on Atlantic and, and they wanted us to, to work with these different guys. And so myself and Jake, our drummer, went around. We did a handful. We went to Nashville. We went to California. We went to New York City and and worked with a couple guys. And, and Greg was was. Uh, one of those guys. He's a he's a great guy, great songwriter. It was fun. Like the whole thing was fun. It just like I don't know. I I I agree with you. There's absolutely nothing wrong with co-writing, but I feel like it just wasn't a process that I really enjoyed. Um, but I think part of that was also the idea of just like being put in a room with this random person that you don't know anything about. He doesn't really know anything about your band, and it's just it's tough. And one thing that kind of bothered me about it was that I felt like especially and i'm sorry if i'm you know being negative right off the bat oh no know. no they, they, bring the negativity let's right. hear it yeah i'm just you know <laughs> let's be, be honest about it yeah but no this is this is interesting let's hear it yeah um well i felt like with so much of what happened with the co-writing for this record was for me i'm i'm like usually i finish lyrics last you know like i usually i have kind of you know song structure and, and melodies and then the lyrics kind of finish uh, last and so I have a lot of these ideas that were basically done songs just they weren't finished lyrically and that was kind of the case with this one with Kids in Love is that I had sort of a fully you know idea of a song but we didn't have all the lyrics uh, done yet and so that's basically what we did was just sort of co-write the lyrics and then it's tough to you know, sit in a room and go, well, all right, we got to write the lyrics to this song. And if it's not really moving anywhere or if you're not really vibing, you eventually just kind of go, all right, whatever, that's good enough. Just keep going. You know, you kind of feel like you're sort of settling a little bit and, and just sort of it kind of 
cramming to make it happen. Um, and then it's kind of a pain later if you decide, well, I actually don't really like some of those lyrics. I want to go back and change them. Then you get this pushback from the guys going, no, wait a second, wait a second. They're, you know, like, so like, I don't know, just the whole thing was so strange. And well, it's, it, it, it sounds like it was just disruptive to your songwriting process, which, you know, as a younger songwriter, you're younger back then that had to be jarring. I could, I, I completely understand it from that standpoint. Right. For sure. Yeah. It was, and it was something that we weren't used to and, and we're just kind of trying to figure out as we went. And I mean, it was definitely a cool experience and I'm, I'm grateful. And one thing that I've, you know, with all of this kind of weird, you know, feelings we have with that album, I'm glad that we did it. I'm glad that we, we, you know, went through it and we learned so much from making that album. Cause I feel like we didn't really know there were, there were six members of the band for the first record. And then one guy left and there were five of us moving forward. And we had gained, you know, a, a decent bit of success and we didn't really have like solid footing of like, okay, this is who we are as a band. This is what we want. I, we were, we were kind of lost and just trying to like figure out what to do. Um, and then making this album, um, I feel like kind of gave us that, that clarity of like, okay, wait a second, we need to pause and like, look at this and like, what are, what are we really trying to do? And, you know, who do we want to be as a band? And we had a much clearer picture of that moving forward and it's a process that like destroys so many bands you know i feel like there's so many bands that do that you know major label attempt record they try to push it radio and do all that and if things don't work out super well with it then a lot of times that's the end of a band's career and so to like have gone through that whole machine and then still like I feel like we kind of came out even stronger out of it is, is, is a blessing, really. I think the proof is when I uh, was researching the song, and I've seen you guys play this song live, is, you know, when there's 10,000 kids at Warped who are screaming every lyric back to you, uh, I think it worked. Right, for sure. <laughs> and that's, yeah. all, you're right, ultimately that's the, and, and we, so we that's did. That's the gauge. Right, and we did the, the 10 year of that was, I guess, now two years ago, uh, uh, 2019 we did a, a short run of, of shows uh playing that full album and that's a big part of what made us all go like you know like these people you know you get you, you sold out shows of people singing every word to to these songs is like you can't really be like mad about that or bummed about that that, it, that there were some things that were weird like it's a it's a great thing and and so we all you know feel a lot better about it but well, and believe it or not, you know, I'm sure that you, you learned a lot through the process. I know I know that I always did. Even there was some sessions I went in begrudgingly. I didn't I didn't want to do it. And uh, it just right. at the end of the day, it made me a better songwriter. I hadn't heard of Greg Wattenberg. Uh, some of his credits include uh, writing for Philip Phillips, Train, Daughtry and Goo Goo Dolls. So he's done some big stuff. So I, I was interested to see his name as well as David Bendith, because this guy is just done so much and i'm uh consider myself a, a musicologist i guess and I, I just hadn't hadn't ran across him how did david get brought in was that something from atlantic or was he a choice of the band right it was mostly atlantic um and i i feel like there were a couple guys that they pitched and this was i don't know how long maybe like a year after uh riot had come out paramore's album riot yes. which obviously is just such a phenomenal album and, and sounds amazing and and so that was a big part of it for us was like well this guy did that record like this is you know this is kind of a um sh should be great and it, it was really <laughs> it was interesting man he's he's i don't know what to really 
there's definitely, you know, there were some of those like negative feelings we had about some of the, the things, the, the way that he handled things and, and feeling like he was more on the labels side than our side. You know what I mean? But ultimately, he's he's a really great guy and he's super talented. He's definitely like kind of crazy and has some, I don't know, he's a, he's a very bizarre guy. Most producers are. Right. They, yeah, and, and a, lot of, a lot of the best ones are, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're like creative creative geniuses. No, and uh, yeah, I had heard his name through through Paramore. He's also done Breaking Benjamin, Papa Roach, Taken Back Sunday, A Day to Remember. And, you know, looking at his age now, when he did your record, he was in his early 50s. I mean, that's... A, a little bit on the older spectrum working with super young bands so i was right. i was uh was kind of kind of impressed by that so do you remember in the process of writing for the record when kids in love was was written that was one of the first ideas now there were it was a pretty lengthy process of because you know we we put out a lesson our minutes in 2007 and then i feel like for the next like year and a half or two years we were like building material we wrote so many songs man i feel like we wrote over 30 maybe close to 40 songs for for this album and uh kids in love was definitely one of the first ideas and then again it, yeah it took a while for it to uh to to be finished and and most of that was the lyrics but then eventually i had done i'd done a demo of it and gosh it's so hard to remember all this it must have been that i'd, I'd made a demo of it but there you know, the second verse didn't have lyrics or, or whatever it was. And the label felt strong about the song, but wanted us to go in with Greg to just kind of see what would happen there. Well, that's what I, that's what I was going to ask. So how, you know, if you can remember how much of the song, uh, as it is now, was it then when you started working with Greg, what, what was brought into him demo wise? It was, it was pretty similar. I mean, I guess I, I, I haven't listened to that demo in, in, in so long. Um, but I, but I think it was, it was mostly there. We didn't really change a lot. And, uh, it was, it was mostly just finishing up the lyrics. And then when we got in with David, David did kind of this weird thing where like every single song on that record, when we were in pre-pro, he'd go like, this bridge, I don't know about this bridge. We gotta, we gotta start over on this bridge. And so we'd like rewrite the bridge to like every single song on the record. Um, and that was the case with this one as well. I don't even remember now what the original bridge was. That's interesting. You mentioned you you mentioned the bridge because we'll get to that later. Because this is an odd bridge in right. the song. Yeah. In a, in a in a very cool way though. I, right. I I really I really I really like it. So what did he? You said when when David first heard the song though that he that he liked it. Yeah, for sure. Because he was he was um, a part of the process. Um, I forget for how long, but for definitely months out from us going in with him, we'd send him these demos and we'd talk on the phone with him and um, he would tell us, you know, which songs he felt strong about and, and, and which ones he didn't. And and this was one that he was he was into early on uh, for sure. Yeah. Okay, well, the song is uh, 3 minutes and 36 seconds. Uh, there's a 14-second uh, intro. It's like a drum intro with just this single guitar, and the drums just sound absolutely huge. Yeah. Uh, they sound awesome. It's such a such a great intro. And then, uh, then you're into verse 1, which is kind of split into two parts. And uh, I'll, I'll go with the first part here, and then I'll, I'll have you set it up. I look back to the one and only summertime, and my girl was the envy of every friend of mine. She slept safely in my arms. We were so young and invincible. Uh, and the drums here, I, I wrote in my notes, are a variation of the intro. There's, there's no hi-hat, so it's not a full drum beat yet. 
Set up this first this first verse for us. Well, you know the the whole song is kind of, you know, and it's funny now thinking back on it because I was like twenty one or, or maybe like twenty two throughout the process of writing the song. But it was like looking back at being like fifteen, sixteen years old, and it's kind of you know it's I guess it's sort of like loosely about it's actually my 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 wife uh, Lauren. Um, we weren't together at this point, but we had da- when we were in high school. But when I was sixteen and she was fifteen, uh, we dated and then you know broke up. And then for many many years, we were just really good friends. And then now, of course, we're married. But there was a summer where um, she spent a lot of time down in in Tampa in Clearwater uh, with her sister, and um, we like. Uh, it's it's kind of a long, complicated story, but we, her parents weren't very like stoked on us seeing each other, and um, so so <laughs> they I, didn't like the they didn't like the long haired guy in a band. What? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and so and so I would um, I'd like go down there. I'd get like you know one of my friends to drive me down there, and we'd spend a couple of days down in Clearwater, and we'd like secretly hang out. Um, and, and then I'd come back up to Tallahassee. And so that's kind of the, um, that's sort of the basic, the the song is, is mostly kind of about that, but it's also kind of loose. Like with a lot of songs, when they're about a particular thing for me, I don't like, it's not always so like literal, I guess, you know what I mean? There's, it's just kind of like loosely about kind of an idea. Um, but yeah, it was mostly just kind of that summer of, of being, I guess I would have been 16 or 17 years old and, and going down to, to Clearwater to, to secretly hang out with, uh, with my girlfriend. Yeah. That's awesome. So do you remember if the, the first verse were, were these just your lyrics or was this something that Greg and you worked on? And I can kind of see from a song like this that's so personal. It's about your love interest that, you know, has, that is now your wife to have someone come in and be you know, and be like, well, how do you know what I'm thinking? This is my song, you know? And so from that standpoint, I completely get it. But do you remember if Greg had a hand in these lyrics or, or was this all you at this point? Right. You know, it's it's hard to say. I, I, I think, if I remember correctly, that the first verse was was there. Uh, and we may have, maybe we tweaked a couple things, you know, maybe maybe we changed a few lines that were there. I mean, the second verse is where I feel like where I don't think I had anything um, and where he really and, and Jake, our drummer, was there as well. And he was throwing out um, ideas. And um, so I, I, I'm pretty sure that first verse there was mostly just kind of what I came up with. Yeah. Well, we get into the uh, what I'm saying is the second half of the first verse. We're still the verse here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the drums are fully in. The hi-hat comes in. Uh, there's a single note guitar doing this really cool counter melody. It's, it's predominantly I'm hearing in the left speaker. Really neat little little thing that happens there. I really I really love it. The lyric uh, is closed lips. She was never one to kiss and tell, which this is a side note here. She, she couldn't because her parents didn't like you. <laughs> right, um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those, <laughs> those trips in the summer never went so well. Young love was such dumb love. Call it what you want. It was still enough. Right. Yeah, gosh, I had, it's funny, like, I sing this song all the time, you know, and it's like, I never think about it, you know, you know what I mean? Like, if you're like on autopilot. Um, but yeah, I actually, I, I like a lot. Of, I love the the young love is such dumb love, uh, call it what you want. It was, it was still enough, I think is, uh, 
is a strong line. And I, I remember Greg being being stoked on on that one. I think that maybe we, we tweaked that one a little bit while we were there. But uh, yeah. Well, the, the song is building and then we get into the next part. And, you know, when I first sat down to really analyze this, this is one of the most amazing pre-choruses because this sounds like you've reached the chorus to me. Nice. This yeah. is this is a chorus. Right. As far, you know, it's like you, you almost get a double chorus in this song. It's so damn catchy. Oh. This is the first time that a, that a backing vocal comes in in the song. You got the high harmony that comes in here. Uh, and there's a really cool, I'm calling it the noodly guitar part, uh, again, kind of off off in the left speaker that is, that is moving things along. Uh, but this part just really lifts. It doesn't sound like a pre-chorus. It sounds like a chorus. The lyric is, and you're still out of my reach, and you're still all of the things that I want in my life. How could I ask you to leave me? Well, I mean, clearly, I uh, still had had feelings uh, <laughs> for 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 Lauren. You know, not currently my, my wife. You know, it was like one of those things where, like I said, like we we were always close. Even after we broke up, we were we were like close to like best friends. You know, for 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 years and years. And she's always been someone who's really important in my life since I met her. And clearly, that kind of shows here. You know. <laughs> When you tracked the song in 09, did, did she, were you guys together and did she know it was about her? We were not together. You weren't? No, yeah. And I, she found out later, um, and I think she's like, no, it's not. She's like, when I, when I was like, the song, you know, it's about you and going down it, she's like, no, no, it's not. You're, you're making that up. And I'm like, well, no, How, not, yeah. <laughs> How's your relationship with the in-laws these days? <clears throat> it's actually really good. Her, 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 her parents are awesome. Um, and I had to ask, sorry. Yeah, no, no, it's for sure. Yeah, no, they're they're great. You know, it's like... That's cool. They, she, you know, she was 15. It's like such a, you know, I, I can understand some of their, uh, you know, resentment towards me at the time, you know. <laughs> We're musicians. Yeah, of course you can understand it. Right. That's that's great. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We get into uh, the first chorus, and I, and I wrote my notes here. The kitchen sink is in. Uh, the big guitars, uh, the, the octave guitars, the vocal harmonies. And again, it just from that pre-chorus, it even gets catchier. Now that we're in the chorus. I feel like I, I said it before. We're getting a double chorus here. The lyric is, and we were just kids in love. The summer was full of mistakes we wouldn't learn from. The first kiss stole the breath from my lips. Why did the last one tear us apart? Right. And before we go into that real quick, up to this point, Derek, 
do you recall if the song changed at all arrangement wise or was this pretty much what your idea was uh you know i know i know maybe not lyrically but melody wise and, and chord arrangement and structure yeah it was pretty much the same other than the the intro that intro the drum guitar thing yeah. um it was was ad it used, it, originally it started just with the guitar and i look back to the one and only sound like it, it just came straight straight in with and no oh, okay and it was no drums uh just the guitar and vocal and then in that sort of second half of the of that first verse you were talking about was when the drums first kicked in but other than that yeah it was it was the that first verse into the pre into the chorus the only thing that we changed in the chorus uh with with david with david bendith was the last line of the chorus and this is one that i actually like i still kind of wish we hadn't changed um the original lyric was i think it's we didn't even care at all it was the first kiss till the breath from my lip and we didn't we didn't even care oh shit i don't even remember what it was but um <laughs> what you don't sit around and listen to your demos like i do all day <laughs> yeah i probably will after this i gotta go back and and uh and find it but um but it was one that we changed it was like david felt strong about that we needed to change and um in the long run i kind of wonder if it would have been stronger the way it was but you know i don't know whatever that doesn't matter now that that's interesting and not to uh not to be argumentative, I, I I really love that last line. I think yeah. that's cool. But I never knew there was anything else there. Either. For sure, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, what did you take from that line? And what I guess was that something that David or, or Greg came up with? The why did the last one tear us apart? What, what was it about that that didn't? Because I mean, you guys did break up. Yeah, I don't know. I think it was like I, I'm I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, I I wrote that it was kind of like when david would because there were a handful of songs again that were like this where he'd be like the last line of the chorus is just not there yet and so i'd just kind of throw him options you know like um like what about this and then you know next day like what about this or this you know and I'm just kind of throw things out and and i threw that one out and he was into it and um i guess i don't know i just it's such a weird thing you know it's also like been in your head for such a long time because like i said this song was probably written you know, maybe first or close to the beginning out of all these songs, I'd been hearing it one way for like a year and then changing that is always kind of like jarring, you know, and it, it takes a while to, to settle in and get used to. And you're probably right. It probably is better the way it is. And that's part of a producer's job, I guess, is to have that kind of outside perspective. And Well, we, we as artists, we get stuck with what I call as demoitis. Right. You know, you, you just live with something for so long. I can't tell you how many times I was convinced with something I wrote this is the greatest thing in the world. And I'm sat on it for three months. The band hears it. And the first thing they tear about tear apart is the line that I love the most about it. Like what? Right. And you know, usually it'll get changed and I'll look back some years later and be like, yeah, they, they were right. <laughs> right. Well, you're right. It, it is most, most of the time that is the case where you go, um, okay, now I, it, it just takes that separation, you know, and you become um, so attached to it. It's hard to, to not be right. Yeah, yeah, it's a tricky thing. Yeah, I, we we deal with that. Of course, we actually just about two weeks ago got got back uh, home from being in the studio. We just finished recording our seventh full length album. And, Congratulations! And, yeah, thank you. And so, definitely dealing with with a lot of that throughout the whole process. It's still it's still the case. It still happens. Yeah. Yeah. Those uh, those, those wonderful arguments we have in the studio aren't they great? Yeah. Um, so we get out of the chorus after the after that line. When did the last one tear us apart? And there's like a half measure. Uh, there's a drum reintro that sets up for uh, for verse two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the first half again, I, I split it into two parts here. We'll go for the first half. Our breath smelled of cigarettes and alcohol. We'd walk down the beach counting every star. 
Our hearts beat inside our chest, leaving us gasping for every breath. There's a lot of imagery there. Yeah, for sure. You know, if I'm just being completely honest, this is where uh, it gets a little... Um, you know, I don't know. I don't want to, you know, it's a little cheesy, a little, uh, a little like, well, this, again, this is like the, this is where we really like, these are the lyrics that we wrote, the three of us in the room at the time that we didn't spend like necessarily, a, you know, maybe a, a couple hours on or, or whatever it was. And I remember the, the cigarettes and alcohol thing was like a, like, do we, is that weird? Should we not do that? Oh, in fact, and sorry, this is getting too sidetracked, but we even, they had us, Atlantic had us record a separate version of this, uh, that first <laughs> line, just in case, because they were going to push this song to radio, and they were like, in case there's any, like, you know, like Disney or whatever, kind of like more like kid-friendly spots that we can get, we want you to sing. And I, and, and I can't even remember what, so we, we came up with an alternate line for that first line, saying that, and then I just never heard that again you know, for the rest of my, for the rest of my life, but was, but was it, it Cheeto? Was it Cheetos and marshmallows? Right, it had to. You know, I think it, I think it was like the cringiest thing ever. Um, but it, it exists somewhere that that version of it. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm okay, I'm not trying to knock on it or whatever. But there's some lyrics that even like when you sing live, you you kind of can't help but like cringe a little. And you know, I guess this these are a little bit of that. But but it's all good. Yeah. Well, no, I, I, I appreciate your honesty, and I, I completely relate to that. There are lyrics that I look back and when I wrote when I was 18 that I, I still sing, and right. uh, but but it, the, the fans love it. I always go, I always go back to that. Right. You know, they, exactly. they're screaming it back at you, and it kind of validates it. The um, second part, this is where it gets interesting, because the second half of the second verse, it isn't like the second half of the first verse. Mm-hmm. It change it changes here. Right. Whose idea was that? The melody changes. I'll get into the lyric in a second, but uh, it, it's it's structurally just way different than the first time. I think. That that was me, and both with sort of the the lyric idea here, and and right the melody that kind of is more of an ad lib kind of a, a, a new thing. I, I try and do that a lot. I feel like where uh, uh, in a second verse, I feel like there's that room to kind of switch things up a little bit. It doesn't have to be like a you know copy paste of of the first verse, which with, with new lyrics, you know, I like to. And sometimes maybe it's a bad thing. Sometimes a song needs that repetition and and that benefits the song but i've always that's one thing i just try and do i guess is switch things up i must have rewound this part and compared a beat it to the first uh half of the the first verse probably 10 times figuring what's different i'm like it's just completely different even down to the single note guitar here uh it's lower in the mix than it is the first time which i found that very interesting just that's usually you you know it'll be louder as you get in the, into the song and sure. that was something that that was something that was different from a production value yeah that's interesting you know there's a lot of things you're pointing out but i hadn't even really thought of but that's uh that's cool yeah yeah no it was it was striking i'm like why does this sound different i went back but wait a second the guitar's louder the second time in the in the first verse the other thing here 
you know, and I'll get to the lyric now. Her smile with the wind blowing through her hair was so contagious in the air, and that's really held out the word air. Right. And that's why you, that's why you don't get a third line here. Right. Because the air's held out. Okay. <clears throat> the backing vocals come in here, which the backing vocals do not come in on the first verse at all. And you get the backing vocals uh, on the back half uh, was so contagious in the air, so satisfying, and I'm still smiling. Do you remember? the talk of the backing vocal being there and not in the first verse? Um, not really. I remember Jake, our drummer, not liking that line for whatever reason and having to kind of just be like, it's, it's, it's fine. It's good. You know, <laughs> and having to kind of, you know, work through that, but not really. God, I wish that I, you know, it's, it's been so long, but, um, I don't remember where that, that idea came from necessarily. Um, but, and I, and I think it did change a little from what we had first wrote, at Greg Wattenberg's, the melody ended up changing for whatever reason, slightly. But uh, yeah, and it's one that like, uh, you know, it's funny because I never even really, I guess, thought of that part as a as a backing vocal. But it kind of go, it kind of uh, the next part kind of overlaps on top of yeah. it. And so that's one that I like. I can't do live. I just don't sing the first part of the <laughs> the next pre-chorus. Although we have two other guys in the band that sing, I should have just asked them to, you know, help out there. But yeah, now like what twelve years later, you know, maybe we'll maybe we'll start. Now doing you it now better. you probably will after this. Right. Like, Damn it! Now we now we have to do it. Yeah. Uh, do you remember David uh, uh, Bandith producer having any? Uh, issues with this being because it is really different uh, this second half of this verse compared mm-hmm. to the first one it did was it ever brought up out ah, this is too out there too different or it's just yeah it's it's different and it's cool yeah I don't remember him having any resistance about it he, he may have like I said there was that there's one kind of melody change that happened and I think he was part of that but um, uh, otherwise it was only you know Jake again I feel like d- didn't like this part in general here but everyone else I think thought it was Thought it was cool, yeah. Cool. Well, we get into the second pre-chorus, which is, again, <clears throat> like a chorus. You, and you're still out of my reach, and you're still all of the things that I want in my life. How could I ask you to leave me? And a lot of little subtle things in this one. For instance, on the second line, still, on that word, you do this little vocal hiccup mm-hmm. there that's not that's not the first time. And it's just right. really, really cool because it's just, it's different enough, but it's still catchy as hell. And on the third line that I want in my life, you use a different melody on that whole line than you did the first time. Was that conscious on on your behalf or or David's or, or who who thought of that? Yeah, for sure. I I I think I'm sorry. If, you know, I'm taking like credit for all that. But I, I think that was I think that was me. And, and yeah, definitely the the still the little the little kind of run thing on the still. Yeah. Um, I, I thought was really cool. And it's like I'm not like great at that kind of stuff. And and so I feel like I don't. I feel like I don't do that live, but but I should probably do the little the little thing, the little run thing. And then uh, <clears throat> you're right, and, the, and that that different melody there. That's like something that and and 
It's it's actually something I, I think I've been trying to um, not do so much lately. I, I used to be very much like make every chorus different, make every pre-chorus different. Make I wanted it to be clear that like nothing was like just copy and pasted. And that's why I appreciate this so much is because it's not copy and pasted. And right. for our listener, for some of our listeners who don't know what we're talking about. You know, you'll get a a, a measure in a bridge or in a pre-chorus, and the vocals are exactly the same as the second pre-chorus and you'll just basically copy and paste it right you're not going to have the singer re-sing it again and the fact that you didn't do that here is is refreshing and it just i don't know just gives it, it lets the song breathe and give identity to me yeah that was kind of my mindset at the time it also kind of feels like it's building a little it's you know it's a little bit higher of a melody than the than the first pre but i know that the the counter argument to that um that some of the guys in in the band and my band w- would make and kind of make sense is that it's okay sometimes to for it to be just the same, and it kind of gives it more of a sing along kind of vibe if it, if if they hear it the same way each time. Whereas if you're switching things up every time, that can you know what I mean? That that's a little I guess confusing and. So, well, and, 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 and in this part, I don't think you switched it up enough. I agree with what you just said completely, but I don't think you switched it up too much. It just gives it a little bit of, of its own a different flair because the actual chorus, uh, now we're in chorus two, those are all the same. Those don't right. differentiate, and I don't, I don't think they needed to be different. I think sure. they had to be the chorus. You have to latch on to that. And again, the lyric is, and we were just kids in love. The summer was full of mistakes we wouldn't learn from. The first kiss stole the breath from my lips. Why did the last one tear us apart? And now we're into the bridge, which was the first thing that you kind of wrote. This piano part is killer. It is so catchy. Um, I almost feel like, and I've, I've talked about this in the show before, like that thing could have been its own song and it's right. really only in there at the bridge. And then it comes in at the very end of the song, which is more of the guitar riff that's accompanying the piano thing that, you know, was there ever a thought of that? Like, wait a second, this is its own standalone song. Cause sometimes I've written riffs that I don't just want to waste on a seven second bridge part. I don't know. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, because that was the first thing I wrote. And I remember uh, showing some of the guys like just that piano, you know, riff thing and then be like, that's super cool, you know. And I, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think I think once I had written that and then started working on the rest of the song, I just felt strong about it all together as one thing. Um, I don't think I ever entertained the idea of taking that 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 bridge or that riff and making it something else. But we did, you know, I'm trying to think now because because uh, as, as I said, we did change this bridge, but I forget what it, I mean, it had to have been that piano part and then maybe it's the vocal part that we changed or um, I don't know what it was. Um, but yeah, I, I, I first wrote it on piano. The first demo that we did, it was just the guitar doing that. And then later on, we decided to bring back because it just sounded so cool on piano, and, and I'm, I'm I'm glad that we did that. Of course, when we play it live, I don't I don't play piano on that part. It's all just guitar. But yeah, um, I, I'm 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 glad that we that we you know went back and 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 put it back on piano because that's the way it was written, and it just kind of feels so good like that. And now uh, it just really adds a, a really cool texture. And and it, again, it's only seven seconds long. The piano with a accompanying guitar part, and then we're in the bridge. And this is a, like I said, a really interesting bridge because the band is back in now. The drums uh, are almost 
hearkening back to the drum intro, almost mimicking the, the, the drum pattern there. There's no, no hi-hat. It's not like a full drum beat. And the lyric is, we're falling down. Can we pick up the pieces? We're at an all-time low. How do we get it back? And then the third line is, we're falling down. Can we pick up the pieces? But then the fourth line doesn't happen because out of nowhere, this guitar solo comes for like one measure. And then the fourth line comes. Very strange, right. very odd, but it but it works. It works. Yeah. Uh, when you get to the part of that third third line, that's when the drums go to halftime. There's just a hell of a groove there. Um, and like I said, instead of this uh, going into the fourth line, the the guitar solo comes, and and then we get the last line, which is "We're falling down. Can we pick up the pieces now?" Whose idea was that? Well, th- this one again, yeah, this was like we messed with this bridge a lot with David, and I, I remember being like, "This is kind of weird. This is kind of different, you know." And be like, "Are you sure this is what you're thinking?" You know, and um, especially right. So there is, yeah, we're falling down to the pieces. We're at all time low. How do we get it back? And then I felt like it should just be we're falling down, and then guitar solo, and not have that extra tag. Can we pick up the pieces in there? Because it de- it's, it seems it seems like unnatural the yeah. way the way that cuts off and goes into the the solo. But now it's like like you said, it, it works and it doesn't it doesn't bother me. But at the time, I remember being like, this is kind of strange, but it's but it's cool. And uh, one thing I'll say real fast is that. Um, the uh, the all time low thing was like I wanted to uh, <laughs> I thought it was so cool the way um, the used in My Chemical Romance were like friends back in the day and there's the the song um, uh, by the used where he says something about a chemical romance in the right. in the song you know I must have shot something in the heat of all these dances I'm one with no more chances and I've lost all doubt in I was going to ask you about that line because I know you have history with All Time Low. Was that direct reference to them? Yeah, exactly. That was kind of like I wanted to do something similar, I guess, to like how there was that friendship between the used and, and my chem and they put in the lyric in the song. Um, and, and as I mentioned, yeah, we were on tour with All Time Low when I started writing this song and um, we had done a couple of tours with them, in, in fact, by that point. So they were they were, you know, good buds of ours. And I remember uh, and this this is something that like kind of makes me like cringe now a little bit, but like facetiming one of them and like asking like if it was cool like is it cool if we like say all time low and one of our you know like in one of our songs and they'd be like yeah yeah that's you know it's you know but it's a little like cringy now to think oh god like i can't believe i like called him and asked like can we, well, you know, yeah, use your band's <laughs> name in the song? Well, we had Alex on the show recently, so uh, I'm, I'm going to hit him up and tell him if, if their next single is not Mayday Parade, I'm going to be pissed. Okay, <laughs> that's the name of their next single. All right, nice. Um, <laughs> we get into the uh, the third and final chorus here, and and uh, trying to explain this to the listeners, I'm sure my, my producer Chris will put in some song snippets here. But uh, you know, the band are kind of doing these stops on on this, like this. Dun, dun. Kids in love. The summer was 
again, the same lyric, and we were just kids in love. The summer was full of mistakes we wouldn't learn from. The first kiss stole the breath from my lips. Why did the last one tear us? And on that line, the first kiss stole the breath of my lips. Uh, the intro drums almost kind of come back. It's like that swing, that swing beat. And on the last line, why did the last one tear us? You don't say a part there. What was right. the thought there? Because it sounds like it could be there. Right. Like it wouldn't, it wouldn't sound weird being there. Who took that out and what, what was the decision behind that? So originally there, there was that different lyric. Yeah, whatever it was, something like, we didn't even care. We were just kids. And it went into the back into the, the chorus, you know. And okay. so, so when we changed that, so I, I feel like it, it, it kind of held off better, like suspended, you know, going into that chorus better with the original lyric. And I remember thinking that it, it sings weird to sing, why did the last one tear us? And like it, it's it's it is kind of weird, but that was like you know we had changed the lyric. That's what it was, and so you're right. I, I well, it never even crossed our minds, I guess, to to put in the apart. It was just I guess kind of carried over from the way the song was before, holding out that last line and then firing back into the chorus because I guess the apart would would kind of go over the uh, the first line of the 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 restart of the chorus. So yeah, that's one that like was a little weird but we were just like well whatever i guess yeah <laughs> <laughs> well the whole band kind of resolves there on us it kind of stops for a second and then boom you're right back in to uh, another chorus we were just kids in love the summer was full of mistakes we wouldn't learn from the first kiss stole the breath of from my lips why did the last one tear us apart and then you're doing this kind of uh, uh kind of a trail off vocal that, that's mm -hmm. going underneath uh, which is neat. And then, again, it's the same exact lyric that we end the song with. The drums go double time for the last eight seconds of the song, mm -hmm. and that guitar riff from the bridge comes back, and it's just awesome. That is so cool. And again... You only hear that for seven seconds in the bridge and the last eight seconds here. And it's one of my favorite parts of the song. And I'm just the restraint I think you had as a songwriter to only use it in those spots, because to me, I would have exploited that riff. I would have had to because I think it's so strong. Yeah, well, that's that's awesome. Yeah, well, that's definitely I think that is one of the best parts of the song. There's that it kind of that whole last chorus is building. Um, and then when it's like the full, you know, the drums pick up, like you said, yeah. and, and that riff played like full out for the first time um, is there's like there's, there's so much energy there. And there's the high vocal being held out of the last note of the chorus. That's definitely that's Yeah, it's like the climax of the song. It's a really cool part for sure. Yeah. You know, and it sounds like there was a little inner turmoil having to work with outside songwriters. It was a, a something you hadn't hadn't done before. You, you know, you're finally listening to them. You get the mix back of this. What was your thought of it then when it was finally done? I was stoked on this one for sure. Uh, there's definitely songs on the album that I had more mixed feelings about. But this one has always been kind of like, it was sort of obvious, you know, it was like people are going to like this one. Our, our fans are going to like this one. We like this song. Even having to deal with, you know, some of the weirdness um, from the songwriting point and, and actually tracking it. Um, it still stood out. And, you know, obviously the fir first song on the album is one that we, that we felt strong about from the very beginning of the process uh, to the end. And it's a song that we still play at like 
just about almost every show you know that that we've ever played um, i was gonna ask i always ask that you, you pretty much play at every show and i would you'd consider it probably a, you know one of your fan favorites yeah it's it's up there i'd say in like the i don't know top five or, or whatever and so it's it's one that yeah it's become a staple and you know sometimes maybe like if you're playing like a warp tour set that's 30 minutes or something where you can really you can only play like seven songs maybe it doesn't make it into every uh, but but for the most part, yeah, for the most part, we do it just about every single show, and and it's still you know it's still so much fun to play. I mean, I'm a big fan of the more energetic songs live in general, just because they're just inherently fun to to play those. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So this one's up there for sure. Yeah. Plus your adrenaline's up a couple clicks, anyways. You know. Right. So yeah. definitely helps. Well, hey, I I want to thank you so much for taking the time uh, to, to talk to and be on the show today. And is there anything you'd like to uh, leave the listeners with that you have? going on i know you said you just recorded a a new record yeah for sure yeah we just finished um recording our seventh uh full-length album which is wild and i don't know you know what the next step is of how we're going to roll that all out and everything but it's uh it's cool stuff man and we're just we're happy to to still be here playing music and making music we're in an exciting place right now and uh and chris thank you so much for having me here on the show and uh, yeah i love that you guys are from gainesville and i've i've, I've seen you guys around sometimes I, I for some reason uh jr is the only is, is jr still in the band or, or? he's still with us yeah okay yeah, yeah he's still with us he, he's like the only one that like uh, throughout the years that i've like hung with um but he's he's, he's such a great dude and always so nice and and uh, so yeah i hope to see you guys out there again at some point and and get a chance to hang well thank you so much congratulations on all your continued success and i hope to see you sooner than later my friend right on chris thank you welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute what's the name of that podcast that's axe to grind uh and right now you're going to be getting a little little taste of it right down to the shaky microphone and all (laughs) and my name's bob and my name's Patrick, and usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work, but we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, Um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that that, uh, has impacted your life uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers, think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know. Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Chris to make a podcast, all you have to do is submit your song and bio to bandyoumightnotknow at gmail.com. This week's featured artist is Derp, a four-piece pop-punk rock band from Madison, Wisconsin. Derp consists of Mark Fairchild on the drums, Nikolai Stratman on bass, David Mikulski on lead guitar and backup vocals, and Dan Edgett on lead vocals and rhythm guitar. Here's a snippet of their song, Trembling. There comes a day when you forget the past, wash it all away, never since that day.
Chris and Chris. All right, man, that was another great episode. I was thinking while you were recording that, and this is going to be the instance in a lot of the episodes because it's just a fact that a lot of songs that exist are love songs. And I'm thinking while you're recording this, how weird it must be for some people not only to have their lyrics read back to them, but when their personal love related lyrics that might bring an extra level of weirdness for some people well especially that uh you know it was from his wife they were high school sweethearts that dated uh her parents didn't like them <laughs> they broke up for some time and they got back together and then of course the other component is the fact that you know here's this super personal song that uh you know they get bumped up to atlantic like hey we want you to finish this song with somebody else who doesn't know your wife doesn't know you bring them into the fold and everything he said I, I could relate to yeah I absolutely could relate to that too because I've been in that situation myself and my bandmates where you're it, it sounds like what he's talking about is kind of trying to force something it's like okay we're gonna sit down and do this thing and it's not like you're necessarily waiting for the inspiration you're more or less like okay let's do this and it doesn't always work that way <laughs> no i i've, I've co-written with people and it just after you're sitting there for two hours just kind of staring at each other with blank uh notepads and other times it just it, it's magic you just you just really never know but i think you know being open-minded enough to give it a chance and that's what he said you know he he knows that the the proof is in the song when those ten thousand kids are singing every every lyric back they they never knew there was a last line of the chorus that was different <laughs> you know they just know what's there yeah and once again it was brought up that sort of he called it cringeworthy lines here and there that you write when you're younger you know now when he's talking about this song for him this is early in their career and We've talked about this before. You can relate. I can relate. It's songs that people still like today by your band that you look back and you're like, oh, man, that's not very good. But to the people listening, that song could have deep personal meaning to them. And just because you feel like you've come a long way as a lyric writer or a songwriter doesn't make that song mean any less to that person listening yeah you know and, and Derek had mentioned he doesn't you know oh man I should have listened to the demo and I mean we don't sit around as artists in general and listen to our music you know once it's recorded listen to the mixes maybe if you hear it on the radio or you know when you walk into a venue if they're playing your song but we, it's not like we sit around and listen to ourselves and definitely don't sit around and listen to my demos i can't tell you the last time i said you know i'm gonna go check out what the losing streak demos sounded like <laughs> dude i will say that i will listen to my own band's music in that period between when you record it and when it comes out that's the safe zone where it's oh, cool yeah. to listen to your own music oh for sure and uh for anybody getting any ideas i'm not putting the losing streak demos up on the krista makes uh, a <laughs> podcast facebook uh group all right thank you oh man people would lose <laughs> their minds <laughs> I liked uh, I liked when Derek talked about how they recorded an alternate version uh, without mentioning cigarettes and alcohol in case it got played on Radio Disney or something. The Cheetos and Marshmallows version or whatever it was. Uh, I've never done an alternate censored version of a song. I guess I've never been in that situation. Have you had to do that? Yeah, before? we did. And we did it for... 
It wasn't because the lyrics couldn't get on the radio. It was for this song, Overrated, we had. We did an alternate version just because I think some band, I think My Chemical Romance did an alternate version of one song just for fun. And the idea at Warner Brothers at the time was, you know, you want to throw it out there and shock people and go, wait a second. Well, that's a different version and, and your friend going no what are you talking about that's the same song no it's not and kind of get chatter going and this was you know mid 2000s when you know new new things on the internet were happening and uh, you know just so I, I think it was just some kind of marketing ploy and tool but a lot of times labels will do it because there's profanity or something they feel is too risque to get like on Disney or something that Derek was talking about yeah I think Think about the time in the 90s when albums were released on both cassette and CD. And the one example I can think of is uh, past guest uh, Fat Mike, no effects on the album Punk and Drublick. Did you know that on, I guess, the CD version, the part where it goes, hell, he's even more punk than me. Uh-huh. is different on the cassette than on the CD. It's a different voice. It's a different like Hefe <laughs> voice or whatever's in there. Did you know that? I never knew that. No, I, I, because I, yeah. I didn't have the cassette. I think I only had the CD. That's, that would be why. You guys are always on the cutting edge of doing stuff like that too. I mean, the only band I ever knew who put the hidden track before the first <laughs> song. So, uh, you know, I figured that would have been something you guys did in that that period of time between the cassette and the CD. No, no, we never did that one. I'll to, now, now you want me to make uh, uh, search out the the cassette version of Punk and Drug Luck and check that out, dude. Yeah, it's true. You'll see. Uh, the one other thing that I thought was funny. Once again, Derek said it in sort of a cringy way, but I was like, I don't really think that's cringy. I think that's cool. was when he talked about using the term all-time low, which at that, just because you're saying all-time low doesn't mean you're necessarily referencing the band, but he was talking about how they made that reference in their song. And I know that you're no stranger to referencing, well, you reference a lot of people in your songs, whether it's Friends or Jay Friends or whoever. Have you referenced any bands in your songs you had not that i uh yes um in a song called three quarts drunk there was a old punk band called the digits that we talk Mm -hmm. talk about there I always think that's awesome when bands reference other bands or cite a lyric of another band. I think that's cool. I'm sure the punchline's done it a lot, and I'm just not thinking of what it is off the top of my head. But that being said, I think it's a really cool thing. Yeah, the, the, uh, the line was, with a digit song stuck in my head. That was the lyric uh, in Three Quarts Drunk from Pezcore. So, yeah, Digit's old nice. punk rock band. Um, anyone, any band that was really popular that people would know in uh, mass, I can't think uh, if, we, if we did. One other thing that you guys talked about in this episode was the concept of copy and pasting, uh, whether it's vocals or just an entire part of a song. That's an easy thing to do nowadays. Maybe it wasn't as easy uh, back in the day, but now that's so easy to do. <laughs> like it, just do a couple crossfades and logic or pro tools or whatever, and boom, you, you've spliced in a, the, the same exact part. And I think you and I would both agree that it's cool to actually play it and not just copy and paste and drop in. 
Yeah, sometimes it works. You know, I agree with Derek. Sometimes a chorus should be the same. You want it to feel the same. You want it to hit over, hit, right. hit you over the head. But it's those little nuances that make uh, that, that music are supposed to have those those happy mistakes. And and I and I think that. You shouldn't copy and paste everything. And I tried to explain it in layman's terms earlier for some of the listeners that don't know. It's no different than uh, on your computer. You, you want to copy some text and then you want to paste it over here into another email. That's basically what you're doing in a recording program. You're copying this vocal here and you're pasting it where where it's going to be later in the song. And uh, technically it's cheating and I cheat a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes, yeah, you don't want to trick the listener or something you want people to be able to sing along uh but subtle differences can make it interesting so maybe you're singing the same melody but there's differences in the guitars there's differences in the way that that the production of that part i think those subtle differences maybe that you don't even hear when you're listening take it to the next level bring that part give that part life and not just have it be a flat thing i think that that's a Something you've touched on a lot in in these episodes. Yeah, and and the last thing I do want to say is, and I was just amazed when I was thinking about it because I remember when, when they first came on the scene, is how long uh, they've been a band. They've been a band for sixteen years now. Mayday Parade, and bands years ago didn't have a shelf life of sixteen years, and I really attribute that to uh, things such as social media, uh, the Warp Tour giving you that audience, uh, and and then it's it's up to you as a band to maintain it. But there's more and more bands that are having longevity, uh, you know, and having a career in this than there ever was in the in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. It's a, it's really interesting, and and like I said, I couldn't believe that they were 16 years old. They still seem like little kids to me. Everybody seems like little kids to you, man. <laughs> every every <laughs> half the bands, yeah, we we've all been doing this for a while now, and it's cool that bands and artists can have longevity. You have outlets for your music. A lot of times, you know, a lot of people, regardless of the financial aspect of it, or if you're willing to tour, you always have that outlet. Whether five people are listening to your music, a hundred people, or thousands of people are listening to it, you have an outlet. You have you know, all the places people can stream music now. And I just think that there's a lot of people out there that are doing it for the love of creating music. And I think that's a great thing, man. It is a great thing. And another great thing, Chris, is our monthly fundraiser over at ChrisToMakesADifference.com. It most definitely is, as are all our listeners who contribute to the great causes at ChrisToMakesADifference.com each month. And we can't thank everyone enough for that. And I have to echo those sentiments. Absolutely. Our fundraiser for May is the Cure LGMD2I Foundation. Limb girdle muscular dystrophy type 2I is a progressively debilitating disease. Uh, the foundation provides funding for research programs to establish a treatment for this disease. So head over to ChrisToMakesADifference.com. Whatever you can contribute uh, is greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for your generosity. This is an awesome fundraiser, and if you're listening to this episode the day it comes out, this is actually the last day for it. So if you can, contribute a buck, contribute five, 10, 20, whatever you can afford over at ChrisToMakesADifference.com, and it'll go towards research for a cure to a rare and debilitating disease. That's right. And I know we've been talking about this a lot lately, so uh, uh, bear with us if you've heard it a bunch, but we're just really excited about our VIP program. It's called Supporting Cast, where Chris and I bring you the after party, which is uh, uh, episodes outside of the podcast, extra content for you, because a lot of people have said that uh, one hour episode of Krista Makes a Podcast a Week just isn't enough, Chris. Nowhere near enough. I mean, there's probably <laughs> people out there that want an episode every single day, and maybe we'll get there. Maybe we will just do nothing with our lives, but make podcasts. <laughs> 
nonstop eventually. <laughs> it just depends on what the people want. For now, we're going to do our weekly episode of Krista Makes a Podcast, and we're going to play out an episode of The After Party, and we'll see where you all who listen direct us and guide us one place you can tell us is in the chris demakes a podcast facebook group uh if you don't use facebook then we'll have to find another way but <laughs> you know for now that's a great place to hit us up i always tell people to make a burner account just make a fake account and join yeah you know. sure why not <laughs> head over to chris for all the information for supporting cast and how you can uh you can help us stay afloat and chris has said before for the price of uh buying each of us a beer or a couple uh, cups of coffee or something you can uh, you can really help uh help us sustain and keep this thing going and growing to the future. Hell yeah, man. I want to thank this week's guest, Mr. Derek Sanders from Mayday Parade for sitting in the hot seat with us, and we'll see you next week. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media.